I came today with what I thought was going to be a fun topic. And as I realized exactly what Pastor Ron was wanting me to do, I realized he gave me probably the hardest topic of this whole series. I came from my women's conference, and so I brought some of my women with me. We had an incredible time in Tyler, Texas. And, but because of that, I didn't get to just focus on this weekend until last night. I had written notes, and I thought, oh, he, preaching on healing, I got this. I've walked through this. I'm walking through this. I understand healing. And then he said that my topic was roots and fruits. And I said, okay, God, you got this. You got this. It's a hard thing to teach on faith, but also to teach on sin. To teach that God is a healer, that God does miracles, but sometimes our miracles are held back because of issues in our own life. And I was looking at the word roots and fruits. Roots are what go down deep in the ground that nobody sees. Occasionally, you know, you have a big old tree and the roots start to grow up above the surface. But for the most part, roots are hidden. Nobody sees the roots. And that's those hidden things in our life that nobody sees. Sometimes that we don't even know about. But the fruit is what everyone sees. Everyone sees the fruit in your life. Everyone can see what your roots have produced that brought sustenance to you. And we're going to talk this morning about roots and fruits and how they affect, hinder, or bring about our healing. We, the, my text this morning is out of Mark 2. Verse 1, and I'm going to read that in just a moment, but I wanted to tell you a story of something that just happened yesterday. I have a friend, very, very close, dear friend, came to my women's conference, flew in for it. Mighty woman of God, loves God with all of her heart, and she has suffered for years with pain. She has suffered for years with um, things that have kept her crippled on the inside as well as her body. She was Friday night in my room, and we had had an incredible service, and in the middle of the night, she started to have symptoms of a heart attack. We'd been in the presence of God, and God was really doing healing in our hearts and teaching us how to rise above and soar above our circumstances. She was right there in the midst of it, but in the middle of the night, panic hit her. She had to take nitroglycerin. We ended up with her in the hospital the next day. Her husband, I'm talking to him on the phone. She, he said, I thought I was sending you, her to you to get healed. And I thought, wow, that's what we wanted. But sometimes there's some things inside of us that's got to get dealt with before our healing can come. Now, Pastor Ron said last week that not all sickness is due to sin. Well, I'm just going to say one exception. There was no sickness in the world before sin. Sin came into the world through Adam and through Eve, and that brought sickness into our world. So really, in essence, all sickness is due to sin. 
It may not be our personal sin, but the corporate sin of a, a dying world, of a world that has given over our authority to an enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So we are going to talk about roots and fruit this morning, and we're going to talk about those areas in our life that we need to open up to God to bring healing to us. So let's, let's look at Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the, mat, the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to pause there for just a minute. Seeing their faith. This man was paralyzed. He was sick. He couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He, he couldn't make his way through the crowds, but he had four friends that went alongside of him that had faith that he could be healed, and they carried him to Jesus. They tore the roof off of somebody's house that they probably didn't even know. They destroyed some property to get their friend to Jesus. I'm just going to digress just a moment. Sometimes our friends can't get to Jesus because they are paralyzed in their pain. They are paralyzed in their fear. They are paralyzed by the attack that has come against them. And they need some valuable friends that will fight their way through the crowd to bring them to Jesus' feet. Whatever it takes, they're going to get them there and see the miracle that God can do for them. It was the friend's faith, not the man's faith, that Jesus saw. Jesus said something so interesting. He didn't say, hey, rise up, get up, get out of that bed, you're healed. No, he said, my child, in their fear, they are paralyzed by the attack that has come against them, and they need some valuable friends that will fight their way through the crowd to bring them to Jesus' feet. Whatever it takes, they're going to get them there and see the miracle that God can do for them. It was the friend's faith, not the man's faith, that Jesus saw. Jesus said something so interesting. He didn't say, hey, rise up, get up, get out of that bed, you're healed. No, he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the teachers of the religious law were there, sitting there, thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Some of my takeaways on this story, one was that it took his friend's faith for this man to receive his healing. Two was that in Jesus' day, the religious leaders thought it was easier for God to heal a paralyzed man than it was for God to forgive their sins. And in today's world, we think, oh, it's easier for God to forgive a sin than it is for God to heal. But can I tell you, God can do it all. 
He doesn't have to choose, am I going to forgive your sins or am I going to heal you? He is an almighty, all-powerful, miracle-working God that can heal the sick, save those who are lost. He can forgive our sins. He can make us white as snow. God can do it all. And it's our lack of seeing that God wants to do it today, that he wants to do it in our life. I am having to press through the crowd for my friend because she can't. She is too sick. She is too weak. She is weary. She can't do it for herself. And so it's my job, my assignment to press through. You may have someone in your life that has given up, that has said, God's not done it yet and he'll never do it. God must not love me. I must not have enough faith or, or whatever it is that they're thinking and believing a lie from the enemy. What I'm telling you today is you can press through for your friend. You can press through for your friend and you can get them into the presence of Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, they can be set free and delivered. But what I also thought in this story, that it was interesting that Jesus was more concerned about this man's spiritual condition than he was about his physical condition. You know, God cares more about our character than he cares about our comfort. And can I tell you what? If you're like me, I often care more about my comfort than I care about my character. Jesus, the first thing he saw was not a paralyzed man that couldn't walk. The first thing he saw was a man that was in need of a savior, that was in need of forgiveness, that was in need of restoration in his life. And that was more important. But it wasn't like you had to choose one or the other. He did both. He set this man free from his sins and then he healed him. Paul was talking to the Corinthian church and he was correcting them, which, you know, the book of Corinthians is a book of a lot of corrections. He was correcting them about some issues they were having with division, with selfishness, with prejudice, with pride. And he tells them this, that the reason that many were sick and dying in their church is because of these hidden sins. They were failing to discern the Lord's body correctly. That's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 30. They, it was in the context of communion, but he, he just kind of threw it in there. But if you read before that, he's correcting them. You know, many times we are sick and dying because of things that are hidden in our life that we may not even be aware of, some roots that go down in our life. You know, some other roots are generational curses. You know, now we have these genetic studies. I can't tell you how many genetic tests they've done on me because they're trying to figure out if there's some gene inside of me that I inherited from my parents or from my grandparents that caused cancer in my body. But these, these are all roots. And in the Bible, they were called generational curses. We just now have another name that's scientific to put on it, but it's the same thing. So roots can be down deep in our life. Sin that is not confessed and attitudes that are not dealt with can keep us from being able to receive healing in our bodies. The Corinthians needed to deal with their wrong attitudes, their selfish actions, so that they could be healed. James tells us that healing is linked to confession. 
James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Well, let me tell you, someone who's sick, someone who's been diagnosed with cancer, someone who has had pain in their life for so many years doesn't want someone to come and say, you need to do a heart check. You need to look for hidden sin in your life. That's why you know, I like to encourage people. I don't, I don't like to, but you know what? It's true. It's true. We need to search our heart because if any man says, I have no sin, what is he? He's a liar. That's what the scripture says, because we've all sinned. We all have those areas in our life. Often we want God to take away our pain, the pain we're going through, and we care more about our physical pain than we care about our own character and our maturity. Our focus is on the temporary. Because as Pastor Ron said last week, healing is temporary. Because one day... Unless Jesus comes back before we die, this body we live in is going to die. We may be healed today. I am cancer-free, seven-year survivor, totally healed. And I plan to never have cancer again. But one day, we're all going to die of something. I heard one time, digressing again, I heard a, a former Muslim on the radio, and he was talking to, about and exposing the Muslim faith and, and agenda. And the talk show host said, aren't you afraid you're on someone's hit list? And he said, nope. He said, because we're all going to die either of something or for something. And I'd rather die for something than of something. So I told my husband, if I die somewhere in the world, just leave my body there because one day it's going to be resurrected and, and um, I'd rather die of, for something than of something. Sorry. Jesus is more concerned about our character than our comfort. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Think about Joseph. Now, he wasn't sick in his body, but he went through trial after trial after trial, but he kept his eyes focused on his father, his heavenly father, trusting him to bring him through those difficult times. And in his due season, God raised him up, used him to deliver the known world from a great famine. But he didn't give up because the things he suffered were temporary. When I went through cancer, what I suffered was temporary. I'm going to give my story in just a moment. What I suffered was temporary, but I knew the end result was going to be healing for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to get into that. We just want the pain to go away. We want to get, this was me, I just want to get my normal life back. I want to keep doing what I've always done. I want to get back to where I'm in control of my life. But what God was more concerned about was developing character. So seven years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It had spread into my lymph nodes. And um, the doctors told my husband and I that 
I would die if I didn't receive extreme treatment. And I had faith. Pastor Ron, Beverly, I had faith. Because my mom was a crippled um, from polio as a young teenage girl. She was totally crippled on her left side. She had been in an iron lung, and God raised her out of that by my grandmother's prayers, but then she was still crippled. And she went to a healing evangelist meeting that she was carried into the meeting, and this funny-looking Italian man by the name of Emmanuel Kenneth Tracy was preaching at that healing revival. My mom was 14 years old, and and he tells his story of how he was healed, raised from the dead from double pneumonia as a young boy. That he had seen his body lift up and he saw his body there on the bed. And the pastor came and said to my grandfather, your son is dead, but God is going to raise him from the dead. And God raised him and brought his body, or his, his spirit back into his body. And my mom said, if you can heal this man, you can heal me. She went forward, those braces were taken off, and she walked around that church. She was totally healed. When she went back home the next morning, her grandmother said, let's measure her leg because her legs had shrunk two inches in diameter because the muscle had died and was gone. And they measured and they measured exactly the same. I believed in miracles. I knew that God could heal. Uh, my parents were living examples of how God had healed them. But I wanted God to heal me that way. I didn't want to have to go through treatment. I didn't want to have to go and have surgery, have a mastectomy, have chemo and lose my hair. I didn't want to have to go through radiation. I had a trip to Thailand planned. I had a trip to the Philippines planned. I had a trip to do a women's conference in Haiti. I was busy and I didn't have time for cancer. And you know what? When cancer hits you, you don't even know you're sick. I was probably in the, be I was in the best physical condition in my adult life when they diagnosed, with me, diagnosed me with cancer. And I hear God's voice, and I kept hearing him say, will you walk through this with me? And I didn't want to hear that. I fleeced God. It, it, everything I could. It was Christmas time, and they wanted me in by January 2nd. And I fleeced God, Lord, sh you answer this fleece, and I won't go through the surgery, and I'll know that I'm healed. I have more faith, God, that you can heal me right now than I had faith that God could walk through the healing process. Well, he didn't answer my fleece. I went through the surgery. I fleeced him again. God, I have, I have faith that I won't have to have chemo, that this won't happen, and I fought my doctors. And God again whispered to me, will you walk through this with me? And I said, okay, God, I'll take you by the hand, and I'll walk through this. I went through chemo. I tried to stop again at radiation. God said, walk through this with me. I tried to stop again. For five years, they wanted me on this chemo pill, and God said, walk through this with me. I learned the hidden sin of my life was I didn't trust God. I wanted my healing, my way, in my timing. And I didn't trust God to walk me through the healing process. He's a great physician. 
He gets to make the decisions about doctors or no doctors. He gets to make the decisions about medicine or no medicine. Any, anything out there that has been created or discovered in the medical realm was already put into nature and into, into this universe before it was discovered because God created it. I felt shame. I realized I had a pride issue because I thought, God, people are going to think that if I had enough faith, I wouldn't have to do this. Look at all these people you healed miraculously. Look at all these people that you just took away their cancer. God said, submit and trust me. Well, I always thought I was a submissive woman. I have a husband. I submit to him. I submit to my elders. I submit, you know, I don't have a problem with submission, God. I did. I did. God told me, submit to your doctors as unto me. Trust me that I will show your doctors what to do and what not to do. I fought for almost two years with God and my doctors. When I finally submitted... (laughs) <laughs> two years into it. They were having me on this chemo pill. They said five to ten years. I went to my doctor's appointment, and I had said to God, I'll do whatever they say. If they say I need to stay on it, Lord, I'll stay on it. I'm going to trust you in this. And the doctor kind of looks at mine. Oh, so you're going to start this new medicine today, and we're going to do this for at least five years, and we'll see what happens. And then she said, you know what? I don't think we're going to do that. I don't think we're going to make you go that. I think that we're going to call this done. But it wasn't until I submitted. The roots of my life was a lack of trust. I trusted God if he did it my way. I submitted to God, but I had a hard time submitting to my doctors who were strangers. Something else I learned about my sin issues was control. I wanted control of my life. I mean, literally... The doctor showed a calendar in that last page that had the whole years of months, and he said he ripped it out because it was January 1st, 2nd. He said, give me this year, and then you can have your life back. I went, what? A whole year, but you don't understand. I have this planned. I have that planned. They said, and I called him my no doctor because every time I said, can I go to California to see my parents? No. Can I take this supplement? No. Can I do? No. No. And it was constant no. And I wanted back control of my life. And little did I know, I never controlled my life. I want to tell you that there are things in our lives that we have, that we have to submit to God, that we have to confess that we have to deal with. And as we're walking through these processes, it talks in, throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, about how when we go through difficult times, it brings maturity, it brings character, it builds faith in us. And if we will walk through that time with God, we pray that it happens immediately, but if it doesn't, we say, I'm going to take you by the hand, God. I'm going to let you develop me into a woman of God who's stronger, who is more determined to reach more people, to love more people, to serve God in a bigger way than I ever thought possible before I walked through cancer. What time I received am I my healing right now? But I'm still walking through my husband's healing. 
I was determined, I read through all of Paul's epistles and he talks about the thorn in his flesh. I, I am convinced that Paul had one of those rocks that hit his head created anxiety. It created an anxiety disorder in him. He may have been blind, but that was nothing compared to the mental distress. And he taught again and again and again and taught his sons in the faith. He taught us how to take our thoughts captive, how to, how to bring them under submission to God. And that's why I'm convinced that he walked through that. My husband, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was on the other side on my healing process, he had PTSD. Uh, they overdosed him with blood pressure medicine, and he... Um, had an anxiety disorder. He took three months off, and Pastor Ron was my counselor doing this about how to help my husband. He was convinced he'd never preach again. He was convinced that he wouldn't be able to marry our son because he didn't think he could ever get up in front of a crowd again. Can I tell you something? He is still walking out his healing, but he preaches better than he ever has preached before. Our church has grown. Our church has prospered. We have reached more nations of the world. We are about to uh, move into our new facility. And in this, my husband is still walking through his healing. But what he's learned is that when I'm weak, then I'm strong, totally depending on God, totally depending on him to get up and to preach three times every weekend, to, to uh, do the meetings he has to do, to, to go before the people he has to go through. And every time, God has been faithful. I want to end with a scripture about asking God to search our heart. That was search Psalms, me, oh God. I'm having a hard time finding and it know my, my heart. Can you put it up on the Test screen? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The next verse. Point out anything in me that Psalms offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you're walking through something, whether it's a physical healing whether it's an emotional healing, whether it's a, a healing you're needing in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your finances, ask God, search me. Search my heart, oh God. Reveal to me those hidden areas, God, that I have not submitted to you, that I have not given control over to you, that I still have hidden sin in my life. We think sin is the big ten, right? Adultery, uh, st stealing, lying, murder. We think that's the big sins. But often it's the hidden sins, the roots that nobody sees that are creating this fruit in our life that is not good. And I wanted to end this morning with a scripture in Psalms 51. Verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh God, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. We can have joy in the midst of turmoil and crisis. We can have peace in the midst of sickness, 
in the midst of a diagnosis that is threatening our life, in the midst of a loved one going through a very difficult diagnosis. We can even have peace when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we can fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. And we can say, God, I give my life to you. And I don't want to walk through this. I'd rather you just take me out of this valley right now. I'd rather you just heal me. But if I'm going to walk through it, I'm going to walk through it with my head held high. Making I'm sure there's no hidden sin in my life. With Making you. sure I'm living a righteous life. And then I'm going to make the enemy pay me back for the evil that he put against me. And he's going to be sorry that he messed with the wrong woman. That was my determination. He was going to be sorry that he messed with me. And I want to tell you, I've been to more countries of the world since I went through cancer. I have preached to more women, to more churches, to more people, telling them that God is faithful and God will see you through it. I have seen more people get saved at my women's conference when they're all supposed to be Christians because they came from our churches getting saved because they just needed to do some business with God. doesn't matter what you're walking through. Walk through it with God. Do business with God. Clean up your heart. Make sure there's no hidden roots that need to be dealt with. And then hold your head up high. Don't let shame make you hide. Don't let fear make you cringe. But know that God is with you. God is for you. He's a good God. And He desires to heal you. Pastor Ron is going to come and we're going to end in a time where we're going to ask God to create in us a clean heart to show us those hidden places in our heart that need to be healed, that we need to repent of, that we need to deal with so that we remove all obstacles from God being able to bring healing to our bodies. Thank you, Linnell. Point out to me, God, yes. anything yes. that offends you in my life. Show me. Show me. David said, heal me, O God, and forgive me of my sins, even my secret sins. Yeah. Even the areas that I'm unaware of, God, that no one else would suspect and that I don't even know. Perhaps it's crippling me emotionally. Perhaps it's crippling me in the business world. Perhaps it's crippling me in my relationships and I'm unaware. Perhaps it's crippling me in my faith toward you. You see, we cannot walk in a fence toward God expecting him to bless us. Wow, wow. And there's something he wants to do in our life to bring us to a clean place in life. It might not be something big, bad, and ugly. It may be something that deals with a character that God just wants you clean. We don't believe that everything that happens bad in your life is because of you. Yeah. Okay? But we do know that if something bad has happened in your life, if you know you're going through something, don't imagine well, it might be reasonable. It might be a good idea to check yourself. Open up your heart. Don't just believe it's always the devil trying to kill you. He is. But you know, he has no right because the curse causeless comes not. We can stand with God 